and welcome back to another episode of the Real Conversations podcast. I'm your host, Jacob O'Connor. Real Conversations is a podcast for those dedicated to doing hard things and living a meaningful life. Today, back in, I guess we'll call it the studio. If you're watching the video, this is also known as our living room, John Peterson. Studio is a very bold statement, I think, right here. It really is. (laughs) (laughs) It's a very bold statement, but we're here. We're in the studio. I mean, we got all the equipment. It's just a matter of us being in the living room. Yeah, it's a multi-purpose studio for sure. But I'll be honest, there was a lot of effort and intentionality that went into this setup. So, Do do a little explanation here. I want to hear. I I just kind of walked in and you had it all set up for us. This took probably 20 to 25 minutes to set up. We have over here is the couch. And I guess I'm pointing for some of you that are just listening to this. On the left-hand side of this shot is the couch and the wall, which is where we typically record whenever we sit. But because I wanted to set up the arms to have the mics connected to them so we didn't have to hold the mics like we've been doing in previous episodes, personally, I'm kind of tired of that. So because I wanted to do that, we couldn't sit in front of the couch because there's nowhere good to hook it up. And this is, I don't know if you really call it an ottoman. It's actually kind of like a pull-up standing desk in front of us. That was right in front of the couch. And the angles didn't work out well with putting the camera on it because the lighting was bad and you and I would have been sitting like really close to each other and the mics would have blocking our faces. Yeah. And so I moved everything over to this side, checked the lighting, pulled the arms together, ran an audio test, just a lot of stuff. Yeah. It was very intentional. It's not bad. It's not bad at all. So we're back though. It's been, let's see, three or four weeks since you've been on. Yeah. I think we, well, we were in the other condo for sure. Yeah. I know that. And we had just, not just gotten to Florida, but we were pretty early in yeah. Florida time. Yeah. Yeah. So we just got off another six-day week in the restaurant, and then today is, I guess, our first kind of day off, and we've had meetings and different documents and things we've been working on. How have you been doing? I'm doing well, man. It's uh, like I'm sure you've talked about before. It's It's been super busy. Um, you know, being in restaurant, just trying to be a sponge is really – it does take a toll on your mental. You're just, you know, new into a new it's, – it's a whole different environment – and you're just trying to soak up as much information as possible because you and I both know that in four months we are going to have to be operating one of these and not just as a piece of the puzzle necessarily will be, you know, the the head of the operation, which is scary in its own right. But I have confidence that we've gained enough, ex- not enough experience, obviously, but gained experience to move forward in a, in a responsible manner, I guess. No, I like, I like the way you worded that. I've started a YouTube channel where I've been like each week kind of documenting the journey, giving little updates. So if you guys haven't checked that out, you should go check it out. But one of the things that I've been kind of talking about is rising to the level of your circumstances. And like our learning curve right now has been exponential because they've just thrown us off the deep end to us working five or six days in a restaurant for anywhere from eight to 12 hours a day, just like getting so immersed that that whole osmosis process kind of takes in, you become a sponge. And I don't think most people, I think it would take a significantly longer period of time for people to have learned what we have learned in the shorter period of time, just because of how much exposure we've had. Yeah. And I also think, I mean, there is a different aspect to it because we came in and, you know, we had our different colored shirts on and things like that. So, you know, we were seen as managers. That's how we came into this. Whether we were qualified for that or not, the answer is not. But we came in we came in and we were looked at as managers, which I think really helped us a lot to see, you know, we didn't start from the bottom necessarily. We kind of started at a level where, okay, we were seeing some of the back of house uh, or like back of the system stuff, financials, a little bit of stuff that we were kind of, familiar with from college and doing other businesses and stuff like that. But we were also thrown into the fire of, okay, now you have to do, you know, you have to place orders and you have to do this and that, and you have to talk to customers and just that whole thing. Excuse me. And so I think, you know, from a perspective of somebody that is 18, 19 years old and they're going into the Mm -hmm. restaurant world or whatever you want to call it, we didn't do that. They, you know, a lot of people have to work their way into it and whatever else. We just came in at a, a different level, I would say. With a different intention, too. 
Like, right. yeah. I, I think most people start in the restaurant industry thinking I'm in high school or I'm in college. I need a part-time job. And then often what happens is they're like, they, they get in a routine, they get used to it. They start to get kind of good at it just from all the reps. And then they might have an opportunity to come up to become a manager or to do something at a higher level. And then that's whenever they kind of end up in the position that you and I are coming straight into with not having that back of back end experience. Yeah. So it's like super interesting perspective difference. Yeah. And you know, it kudos to everybody who trained us because <laughs> I, I was very, very worried coming in because we had no experience whatsoever. And to just be kind of thrown in like that, I think you and I have, I think we're able to pick things up a little bit quicker than most people, I guess is what I would say. But at the same time, it's just such a different world from what we're used to. It was just a culture shock to get in there and on a Saturday or Sunday and you're doing, you know, 13, 14,000 sales and you're just turning tables and you're getting food out. And it's just, it's, it's hectic. It's very hectic. So it's, yeah, it was, it's been crazy, man. It's, it's been a crazy ride so far. To go in there and to start learning the things that they're training us on and then to actually get thrown into the fire where they walk out, where one of the people training us walks in and says, we've got an angry customer at table 42. You're up, John. Table 43, you're up, Jacob. And they don't walk with you. It's your turn to go problem solve in that moment. And as bad and as, like, as much as you don't want to do that, that exposure just gets you so much. That exposure just helps you learn so much quicker. Yeah. Well, and the, and the wild thing about that, about having to go up to a table and say, hey, what's wrong, whatever, you're taking responsibility for every single person that has touched that table, whether it's the cooks, whether it's the expo person, whether it's another manager, mm-hmm. whether it's one of the you know servers or the host or whoever, you have got to take responsibility, which is a hard thing to do because you can go up there and just say, you know, man, our, our cooks are really not doing what they're supposed <laughs> to be doing right now or whatever. But you have to sympathize and say, yes, I, I see that there's a problem here. Let's see how we can fix it, you know? Yeah. In the most tame way possible. <laughs> because people and their food, man, they're, they are something else. And I get it. I get it. But I've never, I've never been a parent, but I'm about to make a metaphor. I would liken it to putting on like a brave face for your child or having to kind of like handle a situation for your kid whenever they're unhappy or freaking out because yeah. that person wants you to come over and be the final end point for a resolution for their dissatisfaction in that moment. And they're not happy with the person who's serving them. They're not happy with the food, wherever the deal is. And they asked for a manager so that you could come out and resolve the situation. And whether or not you know exactly what the issue is, whether or not you agree with what the issue is, you have to find a way to hopefully help that customer leave with a better experience than they currently have so that you don't lose a customer and that they can come back and tell more people about it and have a good experience. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's kind of interesting. Um, a lot of managers as we found are incentivized based off of things like re- their reviews online and, mm-hmm. and kind of that outward facing public persona because I mean, it makes sense because, you know, in terms of SEO and, you know, the public opinion, the public eye, whatever you want to call it, you're going to make judgments on where to go to eat based off of those right. metrics. And But just to like think about, okay, I'm interacting with this customer. You know, they've had a bad experience thus far. If I'm able to turn this around, maybe it's not a four-star review, but maybe it's a three-star review or a, maybe it is a four-star review because he came in and, and turned it around. And it's it's a lot of pressure. It, it takes... I believe they said it takes five five-star reviews to overturn or make up for one three-star or lower review, which is just crazy. If you think about it in that moment, the search engine optimization SEO, like you were saying, you'd go type in brunch near me. And the options that pull up on Google, because you're likely using Google unless you live under a rock, are going to be based off of those different rankings, which is like the sentiment of the customers, the experience that they've had. And so if you're sitting there in that moment and you're like, oh my gosh, this person's going to leave a bad review, then you're just hurting yourself in the long run. It's not even in the moment the fact that you're going to have to discount that meal and that you lost a customer right there, but this is also going to affect future customers that are going to come in, in the time still to come in the future. Yeah, and I know you and I had talked about this and and you were reading some of the reviews at some of the cafes <laughs> and you were like, 
man, these reviews are really, really bad. And I can remember, I don't remember who I was talking to, but it was, uh, it was somebody in the restaurant industry and they were like, there's only two times that people are really apt to write a review. Mm -hmm. They're either really unhappy or they had a really, really good experience and you're hoping for more of the latter, but there are going to be people that are not happy. Maybe it's a personal thing that's going on in their life and they just don't want to be happy or, or something like that. And it's just, it's hard because nobody's going to write a, a normal review about, Oh, this was a normal meal for me. It's, you know, it was whatever, you know? Yeah. So, and I'm just going to call it what it is. Some people come into a restaurant looking for a problem. I have seen do. that a lot of times over the last three months. And it's unfortunate because we want to provide a good experience but people sometimes come in with the fixed mindset of I'm going to pick apart every single piece and find something that's wrong. And a lot of people are just searching for a discount because they don't want to pay full price for their meal. And it's just something interesting. It's almost like a little sociology experiment that I'm witnessing in real time. Yeah. It's really unfortunate too, you know, because from the front end, I can see like before being in the restaurant industry and stuff, you go to a restaurant and something's a little bit cold or, you know, the wait's pretty long or whatever. And before this experience, I was, you know, why are we, why are we waiting so long? It's not that busy in here, whatever. You know, why are we not getting sat? Where's our food? Like, and I wouldn't be outward with it, but in my mind, I'd be like, man, it's been, you know, 20, 25 minutes. Haven't seen our servers, you know, whatever else. And now being in the industry, it's like, they're doing something. The food, you know, somebody in the back is backed up or, you know, maybe they're, they have some call outs today or something like that. And it's, it's an eye opening experience. Empathy, dude. I have so much more empathy for yeah. people in the restaurant industry now more than I ever have. Yeah. It's pretty crazy. So, pretty crazy. This episode too, I posted on my Instagram, ask me anything. It was kind of one of those online kind of question polls that you can do. And you guys submitted some questions and I said we would answer them live today. So we're going to jump into that as well here just in a little bit. Um, but other than that, John, I mean, how have things been going for you? Man. Yeah, it's been good. It's It's been really good. You can cut that if you want. We're um, leaving it in. That's fine. Uh, you know, we moved into this new place about, I don't even know, two weeks ago, three weeks ago, something like that. Yeah, it, it would have been three about three weeks ago now. A little bit over. And... Um, it's been fantastic. This place is really cool. Uh, it's definitely a difference between going from a condo to a house. You have a backyard. Um, you know, you have a driveway and not just a parking spot. It, it feels a little bit more established. And I know personally I was in the condo. Sometimes I would get a little bit claustrophobic yeah. in a sense because it was like I can't go outside without, you know, being on the pavement or whatever else. I can't walk in the grass. It's I felt almost a little bit trapped. So to be in this house, uh, I'm sure you've talked about it. It's three bed, two bath. It's it's a nice little spot. It's a really nice little spot. Got a pool. It's got a pool. Big cold, fan of the pool. Cold, cold pool, but yeah. yeah. If you follow me on Instagram, I've been using the pool as an ice bath because it was raining for a couple of days this week and at night it would get down to about 45. So the, so the pool is probably sitting right around 50 degrees or so, which you might be thinking is warm it's actually a pretty good little shock for you. It's cold. Yeah. It's, it's pretty cold. I, uh, I hopped in after a sauna session last week and, um, yeah, I had a good workout and then a sauna yeah. session and I was dehydrated, hopped in. As soon as I hopped in, I was like, I froze up and everything cramped. <laughs> it was awesome. You know what? You know what? Let, let's jump into that folks. This is going to be a long episode. I think it's got the makings of a long one. Let's talk about the gym because, Number one, you've been a man possessed. Number two, yeah. our workouts have been so good. So yeah. good. Yeah, definitely would agree with that. Um, I feel like the gym has been a little bit of a, a getaway for me. Like, I always say that I don't want to have a, a desk in my bedroom mm -hmm. because I don't like to mix work and sleep or work and you know, relax time or whatever. And I, I see my bed as a relaxing station and the bedroom kind of just engulfs that. Unfortunately, I could probably put a desk out here, but yeah. I, 
you know, have a great window in the room for so nice <laughs> for a workstation. So I ended up just throwing it in there. But I think the gym is my my way of getting away. And I think that's the same for you. It's just like had a hard day at the restaurant. You know, maybe it was eight, 10 hours, whatever we were in there. I need to, you know, maybe come home, rest for 20, 30 minutes, get a little snack. Then we're heading to the gym. We're going to get after it, um, you know, get that caffeine flowing and we're going to hit chest. We're going to hit, you know, legs or something like that just to get a little bit active. You know, it's almost like a little reset before you come back and you have to do some other stuff or get ingrained into something else. So it's been a savior, man. It's been an absolute savior. A couple comments. I'm very jealous of your bedroom. So John's window faces east. He's got these two double windows. They're beautiful. So he gets all this natural light in the morning right in front of his desk, which I agree. I don't like having a desk in my bedroom, but your natural light is so nice. Whereas my bedroom's on the west on the west window. So at night, it's a little bit brighter. And in the morning, not as bright. But I yeah. really like your setup. Yeah, it's it's really, really nice. I just, I wish I had my double monitor set up. But, yeah. You know, it is what it is at this point. But he's living out here in a tough time. <laughs> Compatibility issues. Yeah. It, it is what it is. But the, You're pre, actually, before I jump into the gym, yeah, with how busy things have been, I, I kind of want to find a new adjective. I keep using the word busy and crazy. I want to find like a different way to describe it. Mm. But with how things have been going, it's like we get home, we were up early, you go work, you get home, and it's, I don't, it's like you're kind of brain dead. Like I, the only time I really remember feeling like this mentally exhausted is after like an ACT or something like that. Mm -hmm. Like you get home and it's like, I'm going to go hop on the computer and get stuff done. But your brain is just like done. You were in the window all day, putting together orders. You were dealing with customers. You were checking your labor and your revenue and just that whole process. It definitely takes like some reps to build up that endurance that you're going to need for the long run. It is exhausting on the front end. Yeah. I always see it as there's so many inputs during the day, yeah. like the amount of inputs that I'm um, having to make decisions on, not hard decisions, not, <laughs> you know, not complicated decisions, just decisions that I have to make. And it, the number has skyrocketed yeah. in the past four months. So, I mean, if you think about it, if you're doing, this is quick math on the spot, but I think I'm correct. If you're doing $10,000 in revenue on one day on a Saturday or a Sunday, that's very average, maybe even a little bit low. You're doing a $20 meal. That's 500 meals that if you're in the window, they call it expo. You're the person who's taking the food out of the window and putting it on the tray. You're plating it. That is usually three different combinations. You got your protein, you got your carb, and then you might have like one other side with it. That's three variations on 500 orders. That's 1500 inputs that you're doing back to back to back to back to back to back all day. You might go to the bathroom once, but that's pretty much all you're moving the entire day. Yeah. Yeah, it's uh, it's a, quite the load on the brain for sure. Yeah, and you and I have both experienced this. It's what they call expo block. <laughs> at the end of the day, if you're at the expo station, you hit a point where things just don't make sense. You start getting a little loopy. I would say mm-hmm. things aren't just not computing up in the in the old squishy brain, and uh, you start making errors. And I have definitely noticed it around one o'clock, twelve thirty, one o'clock. You know, you've been in there for three, four hours, just kind of grinding away. And it's just mindless at that point. And then you start realizing you're like, okay, I'm slowing down. Things are things are not computing quite as they were at nine o'clock in the morning. And it's it's something interesting that happens because you can try caffeine. <laughs> But at a certain point, caffeine just does not cut it, and you're just you're just kind of slowing down. You start looking at food as if you've never seen it before because you've seen it so many times in the previous hours. Yeah, it's wild. And then you start thinking, okay, did I forget something? Where did this go? That go? For in one in my mind, I almost am like I need to tap somebody in. But you know, you have to just finish out the day. There's only an hour or so yeah. left in the day, and you just have to finish it out. We've gotten pretty good at it, though. Yeah, I will say for all of the difficulty on the front end, I've noticed our progress has been significant, very significant. Definitely. I think we, we are definitely on the, uh, I don't know. The the right track. Yeah. We're on the right track for sure. Yeah. 
So because of things like that, whenever we come home, it's been an unspoken rule that 15, if it's a bad day, 30 minutes, we don't say a word to each other. We literally just lay on the couch, lay on bed, just mindlessly let ourselves disappear for that time. And then we're in the gym. Yep. Hit the gym. Got to get back to it. I mean, and I, I've, I found myself craving it too. Like at the end of the day, I'm like, man, I just can't wait to get to the gym. I just need that input of, oh, pushing out some weight, thinking about something other than this. And feeling, for me, it's like feeling that progress. Like whenever I get done and my muscles are sore, I'm like, ooh, I did something. I did something real good. Definitely. Another part of that is the sauna, man. Just hopping in the sauna for a little bit after that. Even if the workout didn't quite go as as planned or as well as I wanted it or, you know, whatever. Hopping in the sauna for 20, 25 minutes, just getting a good sweat in. It it really, uh, you know, plays a good point in that. You've been a beast in the sauna lately. Last weekend, we did an hour in the sauna. You think it's like, what, 180-ish? Yeah, probably around there. Yeah, so we did an hour in the sauna. John has been going in a couple more times a week than I have, and an hour took everything I had. I felt like I I feel like I almost died there. Like it was it was pretty intense. And you looked real like in real good shape after an hour. I was not in good shape, but I was trying to stick stick to it. I was about <laughs> ready to roll at 45 minutes and then I was like, man, 15 more minutes and get her done. I had like a David Goggins moment. Like it took everything in me. It's like, and it's so, it's so arbitrary too, because at that length in the sauna, you're not even getting any benefit. It's just the mental fortitude of knowing that you did something difficult. Like that's the satisfaction. The only thing that you're actually getting from going that long. Right. And I was like, no, we're going to make it to an hour. I don't care if we die. We're making it to an hour. Yeah. It's just, it's so good for your mental man. It's just it. Cause it wears on you. A lot of people that, Oh, geez. just punch the mic. <laughs> A lot of people that, you know, aren't aren't professionals in the sauna or haven't aren't seasoned seasoned sauna people. John, the professional sauna -er. the professional sauna -er. But people that don't usually use the sauna, you know, their fight or flight takes into plays probably what would you say, 10, 15 minutes? Honestly, right as soon as you get in. I remember the first time I did the sauna. I was like, man, I've heard a lot about this. Goggins does it, whatever. I'm going to hop in and see does what he? happens. Yeah. Uh, Goggins is the sauna? Well, steam room sauna with Jesse Itzler. He did it with oh, Itzler yeah. and Itzler yeah. passed out. You're right. Yeah. And um, so I had, I'd heard that story and everything. So I was like, I'm going to try it out, whatever. I got in there. I was like, how do people breathe in here? You know, you get in there, it starts burning your nose and your face. And you're like, how can this be healthy? <laughs> And, uh, you know, then first, first time or two you get in and you still have that chain on your, on your neck and then it starts burning and you're like, this is so dumb. I don't know why I'm here. Kind of a situation. And then it just gets easier. It's, it's kind of a weird thing that happens. I read too. shout out to Todd Anderson, who's been on the podcast a few times. He's kind of an expert in this biohacking recovery space. Uh, I saw he put out a post the other day that said, the more experienced you are in the sauna, you actually start to sweat quicker when you get in there. Yeah. And you were talking about how it becomes easier. And I'm like, wow, I didn't realize like, it just kind of, your body just adapts. Yeah, it does. Yeah. It's wild. It's wild. Um, but yeah, it's, I feel like it's so good for your mental and it, it's another just good reset. Like you go in there, you don't have to talk to anybody, kind of just listen to music. Sometimes your phone gets too hot. You can't listen to music anymore. <laughs> so you have to just sit in silence Think about your thoughts and think about how hot it is, how much you're sweating. It's fantastic. Another point that you and I were talking about the other day, which was kind of interesting, put out there to the people. Um, saunaing with clothes on versus, you know, without a shirt on yep. or pants or something like that. That has been something that's been on my mind for a long time. And I think now we've talked about it enough that we've kind of figured it out. Um, but I always thought, you know, sauna, if, if you go in with a sweatshirt, you're crazy. Like that's way hotter, whatever. Mm -hmm. It's just, why would anybody go in with all sweats on? And that's just insane. And then you start thinking about, okay, but why am I sweating? Right. My body's sweating to try to release heat from the body. It's using the moisture from the skin to release that heat. 
And if you have your shirt off, that water evaporates a lot quicker. Mm -hmm. And it's just getting released, 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 whatever. But your body keeps rejuvenating that because, you know, it's still, it's like, well, I'm not cooling off. You know, there's nothing to absorb the water. It's just kind of evaporating into the air. Whereas if you have, you know, a shirt on or a sweatshirt or sweats or whatever, that water gets trapped. And so it's actually almost being utilized as like a, an air conditioning system. It's just like trapping the cool sweat against your skin and not allowing it to, to release into the air. And so for that reason, I mean, I've always thought of like, when I get in with a sweatshirt or something, I feel like it's a lot easier for mm -hmm. me to stay in longer. And I think it's partly because of that, partly because you don't have the direct heat hitting your skin. It's hitting the, the wet fabric before it hits your skin. Yeah. But the fabric getting wet, it's almost like you have a wet towel that's on you. Yeah, so. definitely. But yeah, that's an interesting learning point. Sauna's been good though. Gym yeah. has been good. My hands are all blistered over. I I teased a couple weeks ago that I want to sign up for an ultra marathon sometime in the near future. And I have not been running much lately. I've been having some left knee pain that is quite unfortunate. So I'm trying to work through that, use the massage gun, ice bath, sauna, whatever I can to speed up that recovery. But I don't want to push it too hard because you want to start off with training at a relatively high health level. You know, I don't want to start off with a 60% knee. Right. I feel like that's just going to increase my chance of injury. So been going even harder in the gym yeah, and I guess invertly doing a little bit of a bulk too. And this has been so good, man. Like we're getting in there and we're moving some real weight. And you and I kind of look at each other and it's like, are we going to do one more rep? Let's do one more rep. Or it's like, how can we superset this? Or what can be our finisher? There's always like a little edge that's added whenever you and I are doing it together. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. Well, that and mixed with the the fact that we've been watching some Sam Solik lately. <laughs> and that has been really, really good. Um, he just goes so hard and... And shout out to him. I'm sure he's listening right now. Uh, Sam, if you're listening, you're small. Uh, <laughs> he keeps asking to come on the podcast. And I just, just like, Sam, it's not the time, you know? It's not yet. Let's calm down. Got to get a little bit bigger, but <laughs> <laughs> 15 more pounds for you, bub. Yeah. Uh, no, but it's been good. Um, just, I feel like we've been going to a failure. I mean, soreness. I feel like you hit a point in your training and stuff like that where, you know, maybe you're not getting quite as sore. Because you're just, you know, you're doing the same thing over and over and over again. Are, are you okay? You're standing up. And <laughs> yeah, I got kind of tired sitting in the chair, so I'm going to stand up. Well, it is, it's freaking hot in here, so I'm sweating. But Well, you were cold before we started, so I shut off the air. I'll turn, I'll turn it on right now. Yeah, turn that, turn that hole on. <laughs> I might even have to go strange in my shirt. It's not too bad, I guess, but... But, uh... We're keeping the sun. Okay. I don't, I, I don't care. <laughs> um, no, but Jim, Jim's been really good. We, uh, we definitely have been going really, really hard. And, um, yeah, it's, it's been interesting to be down here because it is nice every day and, or most every day and, and stuff like that. We're missing out on the winter, which is, is kind of weird, but it's, been really really solid yeah i'm i'm never gonna look back at this period of my life and think to myself man i wish i wouldn't have gone and lived in florida with my best friend right like i think this is just gonna be a core memory i'm super excited that we're doing it heck yeah well the the sad part is it's i don't want to say it's almost over but it's probably three quarters of the way over you know we're we're out of here in almost a month yeah which is, which is really scary we we stop our you know quote unquote under official training um the 20th of march and then you know the 26th we're out of here yeah so that's that's a scary number and then you know what comes after that is another scary thing but yeah it's it's been quite the ride so far and the rest of 2024 is going to be something else wild yeah. we're living in a world of unknowns where the picture is only revealed slowly as you approach that like really important deadline or date in the future and it's like oh okay there it is or just a little bit more of a semblance of an idea of what's going to happen yeah and that's that's one of the things i'm like man i'm so excited for the future because it's it is exciting you know we're doing exciting things we're doing the thing where uh you know we're out here sticking our necks out 
diving both feet in. Um, but part of me is also like, I need to see like, I want to see some success in this. You yeah. know, I, I'm waiting for the success. And right now I feel like we're just prepping for the success. I don't want to get too far ahead of myself, but at the same time, I'm like, man, just like an inkling of success would be really, really nice. And yeah. I'm waiting for the success. We haven't opened yet, but like, man, if I could see some success. <laughs> I know. It's it's one of those things, though. It's just like somebody said it best. They were like, you're in a period right now of, of a hurry up and wait. Yeah. And that made so much sense when somebody said that. I was like, yeah, we are doing as much as we can right now, but we can't we can't speed up the process more than the process can be sped up. Yeah. You know, so, yeah, it's crazy. It's it's a good time, man. It's a good time. It's mm-hmm. all going to work out, I'm sure. Oh, yeah. It's going to work out, you know. In due time. I have no, I have no doubt about that. In due time. It, it'll, be, it'll be solid. Okay. We've made it almost, I guess, 30 minutes now. So let's, you want to jump into the questions people submitted? Yeah, we can jump into the questions. Let's do it. All right. Our first question is advice for people heading into college, not knowing what they want to do. That that's a good question. I love this question. I, yeah. You and I can bounce back and forth on this, but I will say, I'm going to start off with this. I told myself when I was in high school, I would never be in the restaurant industry ever. I went through all of college thinking <laughs> I would never be in the restaurant industry ever. And here I am sitting, working day to day in a restaurant. So to say, you know, I don't know what I want to do going into college. I would not worry about it. <laughs> Honestly, <laughs> I would not. I would not worry about not knowing what you want to do because there is so much flexibility and if you're willing to learn and you know be a sponge when you need to be and stuff like that you can you can figure it out you know i will say going back to high school john not wanting to work in a restaurant i also never wanted to work in a restaurant but this is not the typical i'm working in a restaurant after college this is an opportunity where you and i are owners and that's at least what i've been telling myself as to why this is a good opportunity. Yeah. I, uh, I still, I, yeah, I, I agree with that. I, I, this is a different level for sure. I just, I always told myself (laughs) and now to be like working in a restaurant, I thought, you know, I don't know. I I just never thought I would be there. Are you back back out on me, John? No, not at all. Live here on the podcast. John's out. (laughs) We've made it way too far to be doing that now. So now it, you know, going into college, I started out as a biology major. I was going to be a dentist. And I think I would have made a heck of a good dentist. (laughs) I really do. Um, But, you know, the daunting eight years of school or or 10 years of school, if you go and specialize in something, might even be one that, I don't know. It just didn't fit in my framework, I guess. It was was really daunting to me. I was like, this is my first year in college, and I already am like, I'm ready to get out. You know, I want to go do things. I want to do things with my life. And, and that's all, it's an avenue for a lot of people. A lot of people just get in college and they figure out what they want to do and they just do it. But you know, that wasn't me. I was, I got in and I was uh, ready to get out. And so I tried a bunch of different things. I was a marketing major for a little bit and then I moved to business administration and then I found real estate. So, I mean, it was just like, and I didn't really realize it, but there was a good, nice little progression of, okay, I was biology, got a couple of courses down, changed to marketing. That was only, that was a little bit. And then I went into business administration because I was like, I don't know what I want to do. I would like to be generalized in everything. And so I, I ended up doing that and got to Wichita State and had a really good experience in real estate, took that opportunity and and uh, had a really good time. And I'm looking forward to getting back into real estate here at some point for sure. I think there will be an opportunity or two in our future. Definitely. Definitely. I came into college on a scholarship. I've been very clear. That's the only reason I went to Wichita state university. I knew nothing about it prior to that. Part of the scholarship dictated, I had to be an entrepreneurship major. So talk about uncertainty and not knowing what you want to do after college, because with entrepreneurship, that's, 
even more general than just a business degree. And so it's not like a dentist where I'm going to go become a dentist or, you know, I'm pre-med, I'm going to go become a doctor. This was like, just what the heck is happening after college? Yeah. And that was me all the way up until May of graduating. I mean, even after May, cause I didn't, it took me a month until I actually had the job lined up. Yeah. So <clears throat> uncertainty is fine. It's what makes things fun. What I would say you can do to mitigate the uncertainty and to maybe provide yourself with a little bit of relief is find a way to differentiate yourself and set yourself apart. That has been one of the things that I think has gotten me the furthest in my life is that I've always had some sort of business that I've been working on. It doesn't have to be business. It can be some other avenue that you express yourself, but find a way for people to remember you and for you to set yourself apart from your peers because then other people will want to give you opportunities or will want to meet with you. And it just kind of has opened a lot of doors for me. The second piece of advice that I would offer is try and meet with as many people as you can. Like not knowing what I was going to do after college, I knew if I knew enough people that eventually an opportunity would come along and to prove that theory correct, that's exactly how we got to where we're sitting right now. And so I think it's fine not knowing what you want to do. It can be really stressful, but if you're actively taking action in a positive manner of differentiating yourself and trying to meet with people that are people that maybe you aspire to be, they're in a field that you find interesting, they're doing just genuinely good work in the world, aiming upwards in general, I think is something you can, that doing that throughout college will help you so much after you graduate. Yeah, no, I agree. Having... And having some general direction is always good too. Like if you like to do a certain thing, like if you really like to do music or if you like to do, you know, business or something, having a general direction is, is good. That way you can target those people and, and actually seek them out. But, you know, it doesn't cost any money to go and meet with somebody or sit down and, you know, if you have a coffee, maybe it costs you a coffee or two coffees or whatever like that. But it's really a small price to pay for the connections that you make and, those long lasting relationships that you have with those people moving forward and the opportunities that they can kind of flourish for you, Mm -hmm. you know, out of the kindness of their heart, they're going to want to do that because they see themselves in in you and they, everybody, I feel like almost most people are in a situation where they don't know what they want to do at some point in their lives. And so as an older person, I'm sure, you know, everybody wants to help out that younger person who's like, I don't know what I want to do. Let me give you just some direction on that. People want to help. And the cost of sending a DM is absolutely free. And I sent well over a thousand DMs by the time I graduated college. And I, that's specific because I was doing a podcast. And so that pertained to it. But I mean, reaching out to people and always meeting new people, I think relationship capital is a very real thing. And it can be extremely invaluable moving forward in the future. Yeah, definitely. So I guess that's our advice. Any other advice for that one? Nope. I think I pretty well squared that one away. We're going to do four of them total. This is an interesting question. At what age did you realize, at what age did you realize you weren't meant to live a typical life? Jeez. (laughs) Um, It's a good question. I think it's hard to say because a typical life is a, is an interesting definition. Like, how do you how do you describe a typical life? Yeah, what is typical? You know, what is a typical life? Are you talking about is it the nine to five? That happened. I want to say early. You know, I I felt like there was, and I I give a lot of credit to social media on that one too, because you see all these videos of people doing cool things and and uh, you know living their best lives and doing this and that and the other thing. And they're their own boss and they can, you know, make the decisions and things like that. And that really appealed to me. So I guess, you know, early college, I decided that I was, I was like, why would I do a nine to five? I'd like to do something other than that and be able to kind of make my own way and create my own path. But yeah, that, I mean, I, I guess that's from a personal perspective. I don't know from a, like a relationship, how would you be atypical or, or anything like that? I don't know. I think about it in terms of school, like average is scoring 70%. And I've always been insanely competitive, so I've never wanted to be average at anything. I don't think there's anything wrong with being average. I mean, that's what creates the averages. That's where most people fall. Right. But I think in every area of my life, I've always viewed it as a competition of like, how can I get ahead? What can I do here to give me an edge? How can I differentiate myself? I guess that applies to like physically too, you know, working out, taking care of that, the personal relationships that you have business wise, I think pretty much all areas. 
Yeah, definitely. Good question though, because you know, a lot of people we talk about like Sam Walton and stuff like that. You know, he started Walmart. What'd you say? At 41, 41, 42. That's crazy. Yeah. Like what did he do? He was just running convenience stores before that. So he did own them. He, he started off at 25 opening up his first, I guess it was a convenience store. I, maybe they called it a drugstore. I don't know, but he started off in retail at 25 and then opened up a series of different stores up until 42 when he started Walmart. Yeah. That's crazy. But you know, it, yeah, it's, it's one of those things. It's like, Everybody blossoms at it. I don't know if blossoms the right word, but everybody blossoms at a different time. Mm-hmm. And I think that's part of what makes it an atypical life is like some people, you know, make that leap at 41, 42. Some people do it at 18. Some people do it at 25. It's just, it kind of runs with the ecosystem that you're in or, or the path that you're taking, the opportunities that you have, you know. I think tangential to that question and to answer it directly, I think it was at what age I think I realized, I don't know. Cause when I was younger, I always wanted to go to the NBA and that's not typical at all. <laughs> I, that didn't end up happening. I, I stopped growing and yeah, just unfortunate, but <laughs> yeah, unfortunate turn of events. I would say 16 is when I really got into business and realized I wanted to do something atypical in that regard. But tangential to that question I would ask you is we're always chasing something. There's always a better version of us that we're never going to reach. And I think that it could be categorized as your potential. And so I was going to ask, do you feel like you're living up to your potential? I mean, again, there's different avenues for that. Um, but I would say yes. I would say yes. I definitely think there's areas to improve. Mm-hmm. Always, always areas to improve. But I think taking opportunities that I've taken and doing things that I've, I've been doing and, and things like that, working on different things. I feel like I'm, I'm trying to create that person. You know what I mean? Yeah. How about you? What would you say? Well, with the qualifier, if you're never actually going to reach your potential, yeah. I, I would say yes. Now more than ever. Well, when I was 16, 17, I was really grinding pretty hard. I would say now and and that time in my life, probably now more than ever, honestly. Yeah. I've I've been this is the closest I've been to I feel like each area of my life, like giving it extra focus, going super hard. But, you know, to your point, I'm not in a relationship right now. So I can go all in on business and on personal finances and on my health and on my family. And so I'm super grateful for that. But if I were to add that extra category in, I think it's much harder to to spend as much time as I do on the things that I currently do. I would, I mean, a question maybe too personal, but do you feel like adding that extra thing, do you think that negates your, your potential or do you think that has possibility to, this is a good question. You know what I mean? I know, I know exactly what you're saying. I actually really like this question. No, I, I, after my episode with Sean Whalen, dude, not too personal. I really like the way that he speaks raw I would say, what's the saying? It's something along the lines of, if you want to go far, go alone. Go alone. If you want to go, if you want to go fast, go alone. If you want to go far, go together. And I think right now, That's cool. I think right now I have speed on my side. I can sit and I can dictate exactly what I want to do in each moment. Because besides calling my family, my schedule is pretty much mine to determine with the, the pre-qualifier being I have determined I want to go into the restaurant each day and I want to do all this business stuff. Like that time is mine right now that I can grind and I feel like I'm growing so much because of it. But I don't think that, I think it'd be extremely hard for me to do as much as I'm doing right now between the podcast, the business, just everything in general, if I had a relationship. But I do think in the long run, having a relationship makes things so much better because that's a person that you can confide in. That's a person that can offer relief for your different worries and anxieties. That's a person that you can build with, start a family with. I mean, talk about like the ultimate business to have a family and to to build that like intentionally it's people that care about each other and love each other. Like that's a real accomplishment right there. Yeah, definitely. So I, I, it's definitely, it's a good question that it depends. Yeah. Depends on the different areas of your life that you're in, I guess, mostly. Yeah. Yeah. What do you think? No, I, I, I agree with that. I I think, you know, the person that you're with really 
dictates a lot in your life. It's it's just how it is. You know, you have to have that person that's willing to take that leap with you if you are with that person, which is kind of scary. And I'm I'm lucky enough to be in the situation where yeah, you know, I've it's been accepted by both of us that this is happening, and you know, it's been it's, really cool. It's it it is really cool because it is so hard. I mean, I've been in Florida away from her for you know months at a time we went back for christmas and i went back uh, a couple weeks ago um but yeah it's it's super tough and it's one of those things you have to both have the understanding of what's happening and, and kind of what's going on and um have the understanding that it's going to suck for a little bit you know it's not going to be sunshine and rainbows it's not anything glamorous it's gonna be pinching pennies for a little while. It's like it, it's that stuff. It's just like it's gonna it's gonna be like it's gonna be. So and it's got to be the right person too, because I mean every relationship is rocky at times. There's gonna be arguments, disagreements, things to work through. But if the person you're with is just an energy drain, that makes all the other stress you have going on in your life so much more unbearable and difficult to handle. So having someone that's like willing to grow with you is like top of the list. It's, it's super important. Yeah, definitely. That's cool. Good question, John. Yeah. Well, good questions all the way around, really. Yeah. All right. So this is, we've got two more. This question is, do you practice any type of faith? If that's too personal, no sweat, just curious. Yeah. Yeah. You you and I are both, both Catholic. Yeah. Um, we both practice. Uh, I don't think, it's not too private. I mean, I don't think you, we're not outgoing, like we're not pushing it on people or anything like that, but we're not afraid to, you know, say where we came from or, or anything like that. Yeah. We, we practice, we go to church. Yeah. We, we do the thing. Yeah. We're not going knocking door to door, but definitely not ashamed of it. Yeah, definitely. I don't, it's nothing to be ashamed of. I think, you know, it's, it's one of those things you, if you're in it, you're in it, you know, people are at different levels, but, uh, yeah, the, nothing to be ashamed of there at all. Yeah. And I think that's whenever you ask the question of potential and like how you feel like you're doing, I feel like this has been a good time for me spiritually as well. Yeah. Like I've, I've been making time for that. And I think that's been, it's been difficult because whenever you're in the brunch space, like Saturday and Sunday are your, are your main days. So actually going into church for mass has been something that's been incredibly difficult. And that part has been, that part has sucked, but it's also kind of created this intentionality where now you have to find time outside of that to, I don't know, fill your cup or whatever word you want to use for that. And yeah. that's been a new element to navigate as well. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's going to be interesting moving forward too. It's just like every Saturday, Sunday for the foreseeable future is taken up now. So I will say in Wichita though, shout out to uh, the St. Paul's on campus. They've got 7 PM and 9 PM mass on Sundays. Heck yeah. So, so we'll be able to I'm thankful hop for that. over there. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. But yeah, no, grew up Irish Catholic. I mean, we I can't remember ever missing a weekend, maybe twice because I was sick growing up, but it was like dead set. I never wanted to go as a kid. You'd go, we would go Saturday night and go to dinner and then we'd have Sunday school on Sundays and like just religiously we would go. Yeah. I never wanted to go either. It was one of those things. I was like, oh man, I gotta go to church this morning because <laughs> we would always go Sunday morning and, and it was just like, man, I don't want to get up. It was nice if you went at like seven because you'd get it, it's terrible, but you get it out of the way before and you had the rest of the day. But then you'd sometimes go at nine and it would be 10.30 before you got out. And I always dreaded it as a kid. And then, and, and I will say when I started college, I kind of lost it for a little bit. I didn't go to church and, and uh, you know, I, I wasn't actively, pra actively practicing, if you would say it, if you could say it like that, I guess, but um, yeah, I had definitely have come back to it in the past couple of years stronger than ever, I feel like. And out of my own accord too, which is kind of interesting. Like when I was a kid, it was always, oh, we're going to church because I have to go to church and yeah. that's just how it is. And now it's like, I like to go to church. I like that reflection period. It's an hour of my week that I can sit there and think, you know, I can think about the week. I can, um, you know, kind of just reflect on, anything that I want to for an hour. And it's, it's a really nice period of time to do that. So, yeah, it's really is the case. Like growing up, 
didn't want to go. And then I think it's natural. You get to college, you finally have the freedom. No one's telling you have to go to church. No one's checking over your shoulder. And so, I mean, I didn't go for a while either. Yeah. And then now it's at a time in your life where you have so much chaos and it's like, where can I find stability at? And we both kind of turned back into that. It's, I think it's been super cool. Yeah, it has been super cool. Um, definitely. And it was one of those things too, you know, when I was a kid, it was, I didn't want to go to church. I didn't have that many friends in church. <laughs> and then, you know, getting older, you start to realize that, oh, there's, there's people my age that are going to church and there's people that I really like and I can relate to. And I like to be around that go to church. And yeah, so that, that also makes it a lot easier. Yeah. That's good. That, that that's a, a good question. You, do you have anything else to add to it before we go to this last one? Nope. This last one's a fun one. Oh boy. What's your favorite conspiracy theories? Mm. Favorite conspiracy theories. I, one of my favorites, I mean, I always like the UFO ones where they start talking about, oh, you know, the, the, uh, the sightings by fighter jets and things like that, that mm. they see the flashes of light and then they track things on radar that go from sea level to 1,200 feet or 1,500 feet or something like that in the blink of an eye. And that's always intrigued me. It's like, is it real? Is it not real? And then to caveat that, like Area 51, if I could just take a walk through <laughs> Area 51, just see what's going on just in there. Just get John in there. <laughs> just to see what's going on in there. Like go through some of their labs, see what's see what's happening. Just that that has been one that I've always been like, man, if I could just get in there and see what's going on. Maybe that's why I'll be president someday just to walk through and I'll be like, I'm done. See you guys. Are you announcing your campaign right now? What would that be? 2040? Yeah. That's actually kind of soon. 2040. Yeah. 12 years. What this, is that? This could be it. You could. Or no, that's 16 years. You could start your party on this podcast and just get all of the listeners to then vote for you. I don't want, I don't want to be president, man. Somebody else. The rock's got that or something. <laughs> the rock's, rock's going to run probably at some point or. I nominate Jocko. Jocko might run for some point. I mean, I don't know. We need some better candidates, but that's for a different day as well. That's a. That's a different day. That's a different story. Like, oh, he's taking a political turn here. <laughs> yeah, right. Uh, no, what, I have another conspiracy theory, but I want to hear yours first. Okay, I have a couple of them. The first one, I'm not saying I don't believe it, but let's just put this into perspective, right? The year is 1969. It's July. We land on the moon in 1969. Mm. Think about the technology that we have, right? I just went to the... Um, NASA Space Center. They, they have the International or the Kennedy Space Center, whatever it's called here in Florida. Yeah. So I just went there with my parents. We're looking at everything. Super cool, super fascinating. But for me to wrap my head, my head around the fact that it's 1969 and we have sent a vehicle 238,000 miles from Earth to the moon is crazy. Yeah. Yeah, I, I always see those too. And you see like people are like, oh, the the dust is different and you know, whatever. I don't know, man. It's uh, I could see how it could be faked. Yeah. Very easily. Yeah. No, um, I, I believe it's real. But if we're talking conspiracy theories, yeah, that one seems pretty easy to like jump on. Think, try and conceptualize 238,000 miles. Whenever you don't have the technology, I don't think they had Wi-Fi at the time. Their computers were like the size of a house. Like how are you doing that? How are they communicating that far? I mean, radio, but yeah, that's a long, I don't, that's a, it's crazy. Yeah. It's a wild one. So a wild one. what's your next one? I actually, I was thinking about, it. I would have two more. Okay. Two more now. I'm standing back up. The, the nuclear missile blasts or the testing facilities back in the, what would that be? The forties. I don't know what you're talking about. Uh, um, enlighten me. When, so they were doing uh, nuclear missile testing, you know, out in the desert somewhere. Uh, I guess it was in the 40s, right before they dropped it on in Japan. Um, but they had all these videos of tests. And, you know, they dropped the bomb and then they would show a video of a house in the middle of the desert. And they would have a camera on the house. Blast would come and it would just wipe out the house. Nothing would be left. It would just be all gone. 
And there's two points to this that really don't make a lot of sense to me. In one of the videos, there is, you know, it's this house and then there's no car behind behind the, the house. And then the flash of light, a car appears and then it gets washed away Yo. by the blast. And then my second one is you watch these videos, right? And you see this blast just take out this house and this car and whatever. And you're sitting there thinking, wow, this is quite the uh, the powerful blast. And then you're sitting there, you're thinking, how's the camera just like staying steady? Yeah. Like, how is it not shaking or, you know, being distorted? Because back in the day, it was just all, it was film. So, and the radiation would mess with the film mm. and it would just totally wipe it off. So it's like. How are they doing that? How are they doing that? How's the, how's the video staying so straight? So. I don't know. I don't want to say anything, but it's kind of scary. So, are, are you saying that? Are you saying it was faked, or I don't know. I'm saying, but that's the, what's in question. The the videos in, are in question. Okay. I don't know if the you know the testing facility was not tested somewhere. I don't know. That's, that's interesting. Very, interesting. Yeah. We, I wish we had like a Jamie here. We could pull up the video, right? Because it'd be interesting to see. I know they did on Joe Rogan, so. We'll just usually him and I kind of DM about these episodes, so we shouldn't have him on for the next one. He can help us debate. All right, go ahead. What's your next one? My final one is, man, I wish I had more details. We should have like done some research on these. I know. I was my, thinking the same thing. My final one is Hitler's death, mm. because if I recall correctly, I believe he ended up like being burned alive. I don't know if it was like a, a blow up situation or what the deal was, but I think the only thing they recovered were his teeth. And like they went through and it, there could have been a body double type of situation. And there was like some inconsistencies with the remains that they found. And, uh, there's this whole conspiracy that he fled wherever they were at that time. It was some sort of bunker that he fled there and went North to a different country. And like, they found the remains of what could have been like his hideaway out there. Super interesting. I heard that, a lot of them fled, like a lot of the big generals and stuff fled to Argentina hmm. or somewhere that, in that South America. Be, yeah. And there's like a big German population down there now and stuff like that. Yeah. And it's just like my freshman year at college, was, we did these persuasive uh, speeches. And one kid did a darn good <laughs> speech on this. Yeah. And I came out of there. I was like, all right, that's how it was. He, yeah. he wasn't actually killed, like whatever. And to this day, I still have questions in my mind. I still have questions too. It was a really good documentary. I don't. I think maybe it was on Peacock or something. This was a couple of years ago. I saw it. Yeah. No, definitely very interesting. I think Hitler could have escaped. Also, can we talk about the amount of drugs he was on? Yeah, he was on opiates like out the wazoo. It was pretty scary. And they just used AI to transcribe or to uh, translate some of his speeches into English. Dude, they like raised the hair on your skin. It's a scary man. Scary man on a lot of drugs. Yeah. A lot of drugs. But my last one, I guess it's not much of a conspiracy theory. It could be considered a conspiracy theory. But, you know, how are the pyramids created? Oh, yeah, that's a good one. And, you know, the conspiracy is that aliens helped in some way. And the more you look at them, the more you think about it. The more you think about, okay, this stone came from... 800 miles away and how did they get this all of this stone here placed within one centimeter of each other so that it all came up into a pyramid shape i don't know man and those stone wild they weighed they weighed each one weighed i think between one and two tons yeah it's like how are you moving that like you just invented the wheel that's pretty much all you got well and how are you getting to the top of the pyramid yeah you gotta start at the bottom build a giant base and make your way up. That's just, I don't know. I would love to go explore the pyramids. Yeah. Like they've got all those hidden tunnels and whatever. Yeah. It'd be crazy. Pretty cool. We should take the podcast in the road. Let's do it. Podcast to uh, Cairo. Cairo? Egypt? I think Cairo is the city in Egypt where they are. I thought Cairo is the river. I know it's a city. I don't know. Man, we're really showing our intelligence here. <laughs> yeah. History, geography, all the good stuff. Talk to us about business, mindset, and high performers. Nothing all else. Right. <laughs> I only lift weights. That's it. Yeah. <laughs> but Good episode, man. Yeah, that was a solid one, man. 
we uh we dug into a lot of different things if you guys enjoyed our rambling please share it with a friend it helps us grow definitely you can find the podcast on instagram at real period conversations i'm on instagram at jacob o'connor john is on instagram at the john pete yep and then tune in next week thank you guys see you